Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark. And I'm Jenna. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales with us. We're really excited to be with you guys today because we are talking to one of our Cat Ambassador Program team members, Andy Haugen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I think a lot of you probably would recognize Andy. She is one of the um, main trainers and caretakers of Remus and Chris and famous for her TikToks and all sorts of social media (laughs) um, extravaganzas. So you guys might know Andy, but we are going to get to know her a little bit more and hear about her relationship with Chris and Remus and their relationship together and cheetahs and dogs and their role in the wild. That is true. And I also brought a little friend to join us in this podcast. Yes, so if we sound distracted today, Remus We is are definitely distracted, yeah. <laughs> Remus is, Remus the is dog. in the building. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with her cheetahs, lions, hippos, but you bring a dog and we're still very excited and we are watching him as he roams around and getting free pets. So uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, Do thank you want to just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the zoo field and ended up here? Yeah, for sure. It's a long-winded tale, so I'll try to <laughs> make it brief. Um, something I love about zookeeping is everyone kind of has a different path to how they got there. So I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian first, so that's what I was going to school for. Um, I did a few internships when I was in college. I went to the University of Michigan, go blue, um, and I figured out that kind of the vet track wasn't for me because um, I was interested more in like the conservation kind of route. Um, so I actually was doing a veterinary internship in Africa, in South Africa, and that's where I first got to interact with cheetahs and I fell in love with cheetahs. Um, so I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Came back to the States, um, started or finished off my degree. I got uh, my degree in environmental science with a focus on wildlife conservation. Um, and I started volunteering at a local zoo um, outside in Ann Arbor, Michigan um, called the Creature Conservancy. It's really great. They do a lot of like outreach and ambassador animal stuff. Um, and, and then they ended up hiring me there as well. So I was working there as like a keeper and an educator. Um, and one of the cool things is they have this big fundraiser they do and they partner with, um, the Columbus Zoo and, uh, Columbus came up and brought a lot of their cool ambassador animals and they came up with a cheetah and I, the cheetah walked out and I was like, that's a job. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Like blew my mind. And I was like, okay, so that's what I want to do now. All right. Um, so I just started applying to a bunch of jobs after college. I did some other, um, study abroad work in Thailand and in China, working with a bunch of cool animals, but cheetahs just were always my thing. I wish I would have been brave enough to travel. (laughs) That was one of those things I didn't really know was an option. I mean, Money has a lot to do with travel, but... <laughs> right, like, right. I was applying, like, crazy... Much. That's something I tell people, too. I was, like, applying, like, crazy to, like, a bunch of scholarships and stuff oh, to, like, smart. try to, like... Because I always wanted to travel, and so it kind of worked out great that I got, like, work experience, and I also got to travel. Yes. Anyone listening that wants to become a zookeeper yes. or in the animal field, if you can swing it, try and get yes. those types of opportunities during college, for Definitely, sure. definitely. And so I think that really helped me because I had all that work experience by the time I graduated. Um, so I was applying to zookeeping jobs all over the board. I applied here at Cincy and I did not get one um so that was sad but I did get the one interview I got was at the Fort Worth Zoo in Texas and so I interviewed and had never been there before never been to Texas and they hired me and so I moved so did you 
Did you not have to do an internship or anything in a zoo before you got hired? No, I worked at the John Ball Zoo, which is where I'm from in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I did kind of like the experiences, like kind of like we had a high ropes course and stuff like that, but I wasn't actually working with animals there. So I think just doing all the, like while I was working concurrently at the Creature Conservancy in college, um, and I think that that helped along with all of my study abroad and work experience that I had done, um, so yeah, no, I got my full-time job right out of college. Yeah, I think amazing. the field work is really valued as yeah. well. Yeah. Like you're traveling to Africa, you're traveling yeah. to Thailand, you're getting experience yeah. with all kinds of different animals out in the wild in the right. ecosystem. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, I think it was great and it was it was definitely luck as well. And I think just, you know, being willing to move across the country definitely. and just go someplace I didn't know anyone and know anything. And I was definitely nervous, but it was great. I got a keeping job as an ambassador keeper there. So we did like the, you know, the stage programs, the outreaches, and we had a ton of different animals you know I got I never really worked with birds before and I got to work with a ton of different raptors I fell in love with a penguin and a battler eagle and you know it was awesome I I loved my job there and I wasn't actively looking to leave but I knew I wanted to work with cheetahs one day Mm -hmm. um so I this job popped up here and I was like just gonna apply to it on a whim you know because I didn't think I was gonna get it (laughs) there is not a lot of cheetah (laughs) ambassador keeper jobs especially at Cincy which has like in my opinion, the best cheetah ambassador program in the country. So I did not think I was going to get this job. I just saw it as like an opportunity and, you know, to interview and to come out here and see the zoo and everything. And I guess they liked me. Yeah. So I've been hurt. here for four years now. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Time flies. That's I know. crazy. It's pretty insane. <laughs> Look how cute his face He's is. so cute. Remus is so cute. Reem. I'm um, so glad you talked about that wow moment you had at Columbus. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like every person who gets to come here and experience our cheetah encounter mm-hmm. has that moment where you're like wait they're running cheetahs they're just free contact this yeah. is amazing that's really a job i can apply for. yeah and that's like, we get it, kids it. that ask us all every day you know like that same thing so it's kind of cool that yeah i got to experience that myself and now i'm providing that and that kind of experience yeah, to help awesome. help other people who are interested because it is it's the dream it's the dream job i love it so it really is i mean there are things that are tough with it like you work weekends and oh yeah holidays and <laughs> something my family doesn't quite understand <laughs> and i'm like nope i'm still working every every sunday and yes. saturday yes yep. <laughs> it's definitely hard it's we've talked about that a lot lately with uh co-workers where you are so lucky to work in this amazing dream job where people mm-hmm. come up to you on almost a daily basis and say oh my gosh you have the best job ever yep and it is but there are like you have to balance it and you can't it can't be perfect so right we work we oh yes holidays. oh yes and when we Heat. talk about raising so. uh these two you'll also hear that it's it's a lot of lot more work than as glamorous as it's <laughs> yes it's a lot of sacrifice it really yes. is a lot of sacrifice yes. Yes. don't get us wrong we all feel so so lucky to have our jobs but yeah there's that's yeah the you don't right see all the messy stuff behind yeah. it like you come see the cheetah encounter we're all very put together everything's running smoothly <laughs> but you didn't see the three hours before where we're scrubbing and cleaning and sweating in, yeah. you know so all in a day's work yes right? yes definitely <laughs> definitely worth it for sure though but yeah so i guess on that note why don't you sorry my voice is probably traveling because i'm bending down to reach <laughs> <laughs> i need to stop doing that um yeah tell us a little bit about raising a cheetah and their companion dog yeah and going to specifically chris and remus were your first they right? were so, yes they were my first pair i got to raise yeah so that. um if anyone has come to see the cheetah encounter before, um, you will notice that all our cheetahs, we do share space with them and we have very close relationships with our cats. Um, and that is due to the part that we did hand raise them from the time that they were basically pretty much born. Um, so the cheetahs that we have in our program were for any number of reasons, actually not 
able to be raised by mom. So we don't ever pull cheetahs from mom. If mom is able to take care of them, that's great. And um, our cheetahs are part of the species survival plan with AZA zoos across the country. So um, we have this amazing breeding farm that I do not take care of those cheetahs. Um, Tom, our cheetah master up there, takes care of those. Um, but we've had over 65 cheetah cubs born up there, which is really great. Um, so most of those are still part of the SSP and move across the country to um, do that. But Unfortunately, sometimes mom, it's sometimes first time moms will reject their cubs. Um, it's something that happens in Africa. Cheetah moms, if they don't have a big litter size, they only have one or two, they'll actually just stop producing milk. Um, and so that they can go breed again and hopefully have a bigger litter um, that is going to hopefully be able to survive. Uh, so yeah, so that still happens in zoos. Um, and so that's what happened with uh, a lot of our cheetahs, including Chris. So Chris was the only um, cheetah that survived from her litter. Um, and her mom was also a first time mom. So we um, took Chris when she was about three days old um, to bring her back to our main campus here at the zoo to start hand raising her. So um, we have a lot of experience here at Cincinnati in hand raising um, cheetahs. Um, we have uh, specialized nursery care staff as well who um, is part of that process as well to make sure she's getting that round the clock care that's really important. Um, so yeah, for I think it was about like the first three months of her life, um, we were, one of us or nursery staff was with Chris 24 seven. So we have to, you know, provide her milk, you know, on these very specific regimens, like making sure she's, you know, defecating properly and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, it was around the clock thing. Um, and it was pretty small staff, you know, with also with our veterinarians, making sure she's eating right and everything. And it's very critical when those first two, two or three weeks to make sure that she's healthy and doing well. Um, so once we did that, once she got through that like more critical period, our nursery staff kind of backed off a little bit and that's when um, some of our more um, trainer staff in the Cat Ambassador program stepped in to kind of serve that that role. And we also start training with her when she's pretty young as well, you know, getting her used to being around us. Um, we feed them out of like metal pans. So that's something she kind of associates as like a come when she sees the metal pan hit the ground. So we start that when she's really young, actually. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a very intensive process. So she was actually quarantined down at our hospital. We, were, we didn't bring her back up to our main building to make sure there's no um, diseases that are transferring between our animals. So we spent a lot of nights down there at the hospital. <laughs> um, and then actually while she was still down there in quarantine, that's when we started um, getting our eyes out for a puppy companion for her as well. So um, part of the reason that we have dogs for our cheetahs is because our cheetahs are solo cubs. So if they don't have siblings, um, we want to make sure that they still kind of get all of that great um, enrichment and the things that they need growing up that they would have had with their siblings um, in this new role. So there's not a lot of extra cheetahs, you know, to pair with our cheetah cubs here. So we found that dogs are kind of that perfect um, solution to raise with our cheetahs. So we've actually had um, seven cheetah dogs here um, that have been successful with our cheetahs. Um, so the thing that we're kind of looking for is we want to make sure they kind of grow up to be around the same size as the cheetah. We're not going to get like a chihuahua to go with an <laughs> 80 pound cheetah. It doesn't work very well. Um, and we want to try to adopt dogs if we can. So um, we had uh, some time to go and check out some local shelters around the area and we actually went out to the Animal Rescue Fund which is out in Amelia. Uh, and they were amazing. We went out there for a few days and they had some puppies that were around the same age as what we were looking for Chris. 
Um, and so it was, <laughs> that was like one of the most fun days of my job sure. <laughs> because, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, like just, oh, he's like, what, me? <laughs> because we got to just go and like, yeah, basically play with these puppies and kind of just get to know their individual personalities. Um, I remember walking in and like Remus was over on the right side of the room and seeing him and being like, that is the cutest puppy I have ever seen. <laughs> like he was, he's just so scraggly. And if you guys haven't seen Remus, he's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him. He kind of looks like a little wolf fox with like scruffy hair. He's kind of golden. I don't know. He's a he's a mutt, but he was so freaking cute. <laughs> um, you can definitely find pictures of Remus on the zoo's Instagram. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Check it yeah. out. He's very unique. He is. <laughs> Look at him. He's just like <laughs> he has his head on the table right now. Just like he knows we're talking about him. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was actually pretty fun. Um, we typically are looking for more like kind of like lab mix dogs because labs are a pretty good size and temperament. So there was a few other lab mixes that we were kind of more gravitating towards, not necessarily Remus because we were worried he was like a terrier and maybe that would be like too high energy, too small or something. Um, so that's kind of where we were gravitating. And then we came back for a second day and I just like, ugh. Remus is so cute. So what we did is we actually decided to take all the puppies and we put them in like a yard and watch them play. And so that was the really great way for us to kind of see how they interacted with each other. And um, the lab mixes actually were a little toy aggressive and that wasn't something we were necessarily looking for. Whereas Remus, he would just go up to all the dogs. Like if they, he would just, you know, with his tail wagging, getting all excited. If one of them like snapped at him, he'd just back off, you know? He was just like very playful had the, you know, everything we were kind of looking for in a personality. So we were like, well, you know, we'll, we're gonna, he's great. He's just exactly what we need. And hopefully he won't end up being as small as we thought. But we were like, well, if he is too small, he can just stay with Chris for, you know, a year versus, you know, some of our dogs will stay with our cheetahs for a little bit longer. Um, but the critical part for having our dog is that first year of their life um, when we really need them. So that's why we adopted Remus because he was just, his personality was too good and he was too cute. And I just think he's adorable. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys made a good selection. <laughs> yeah, I just, he's such a good boy. Um, yeah, so then he got to go in his own little quarantine for a while as well. So by the time um, we introduced the two of them, I think Chris was about like two months old at that point. So Remus was, yeah, I think because Remus was, is two months older than her. So Remus was about four months old. Um, and at that point, we were, Chris had moved up to our building, the Catabaster Program building, and we were um, sleeping with her every night um, to kind of have that companionship for her. And also, she still was eating throughout the night as well. So um, it's a new space, so we're kind of that constant in her life at that point. So we want to make sure that she is feeling safe and comfortable. And it does sound very cute to sleep with a cheetah, but it is uh, a lot of work. And it also is not as uh, glamorous as it seems, because the amount of pee that you get on yeah. you is, uh, is excessive. <laughs> and it's not the most, like, peaceful night sleep either, you know? You're, you're basically not sleeping through most of the night, and we have this lovely little futon up in our building that, uh, is not the most comfortable <laughs> either. So, it seems very, it is cool. I love it. It was awesome. But it was, after a few, after a few weeks, you're very, you're very tired. And also, what we would do is we would work in shifts, so we would basically do, like, three to four days on, where we not only stayed the night, but also worked our full day taking care of all the other animals wow. and stayed the night again. And so, like, I would basically be at the zoo for, you know, four days straight, not not leaving the zoo. So it was it was a lot, a lot of work when she was really, really little. Um, but we were able to slowly start uh, introducing her to Remus, and that was also kind of when we are starting to 
not have as much of us spending the night with her once she's getting closer to Remus. So we were kind of there to help facilitate that relationship. So when they first met, Chris was very weary of Remus. He was very excited. It's, there's a really cute video online um, of when they first met, but she was like, what is this thing? You know, oh my goodness. And he was just wanted to play with her, which was really cute. So uh, for the first few times, we are always there, you know, watching them and making sure that, you know, they're not playing too rough or anything like that. But honestly, it didn't take that long, um, maybe even a few weeks before. Um, I mean, we were always still around them, but before they could just like free play and stuff like that. And it, it they kind of caught on to each other pretty quickly. And it's cool because people ask us like, well, you know, how do you know, like, how do you, uh, you know, facilitate their behavior and stuff like that. And it's like, well, the, the dog behavior is very similar to che young cheetah behavior. They're both, if you think about it, they're both predators, right? So that kind of predator play that, you know, a cheetah would have with her siblings is very similar to how, you know, wolf puppies would play with their siblings. So it kind of works out really nicely that they have that kind of relationship. Um, the only thing that confused Chris for a while was the play bow, because that's not a cheetah oh, thing. <laughs> She's like, what is this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they kind of develop their own language pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and part of the reason we also really love to have the dogs um, is because when we're training Chris when she's younger, um, we're training her in a way that we want her to act once she's full grown. So we're making sure she's not jumping on us, right? She's not, you know, biting us or chasing us or doing any of those things that might be cute when she's really tiny. It's not cute when she's 80 pounds right. and that's not what we want. Um, but we don't want to, you know prevent her from having that great kind of play. So that's where Remus comes in because he basically gets to have all that play with her and do all that rough housing and all the fun, get all that energy out that she wants to do. Um, and then by the time we're, you know, starting to train with her, she's tired out. She's got all her energy out running around with Remus. And Remus, like, he loves playing Chase, which is so funny because, like, that's the one thing that, you know, Cheetahs are really great at. <laughs> Remus loves it, loves it. He likes being chased, and he also likes chasing her. So there was a very long period of time that he was a lot faster than Chris really? was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cute. Um, but, yeah, so that's one of the other main reasons that we have those, those Cheetah dogs as well. Is there also um, a really good conservation story behind dogs and Africa. There is. Cheetahs. Yeah. So, um, cheetahs, one of the big problems that, um, they have in Africa is human conflict. So, um, not only are they, you know, have very low numbers, there's only about estimates six to 7,000 left, um, in Africa. Um, there's a lot of habitat fragmentation, so they need a lot of, a lot of room to get to each other. And with less of that room, they're inevitably more on people's land and especially a lot of farmers in Africa. So um, one of the big things is cheetahs are also kind of lazy like most cats, right? They're going to try to get the easiest meal that they can. So rather than chasing a really fast Thompson's gazelle, you know, a farmer's goat is a lot slower and easier. They're not lazy. They're smart. They're smart. <laughs> Efficient. Efficient. <laughs> I don't know if smart goes with cheetahs all that often. Yeah. Maybe in general, yes, they're not lazy. Yes, they're, they're effective. Serving their Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so they're going to try to eat some goat or sheep or anything like that, which um, is a lot easier for them. But unfortunately, that takes away the farmer's, you know, livelihood, right? So, um, and it's not only cheetahs, it's, you know, other animals as well. It's lions, painted dogs, hyenas. Um, and so unfortunately, what happens oftentimes is those farmers will then kill the cheetahs. Um, cheetahs are diurnal hunters and they're mostly out during the daytime. So oftentimes they are the only predator that the farmer sees. 
So the farmer assumes it's a cheetah is the one that killed it, even if the cheetah's not the one that killed it. Um, and so it's just not great for anyone involved. Um, so one of the conservation solutions that we um, support here at the zoo, and just by like coming to the zoo and donating to the zoo and all that great stuff um, you support as well, is by providing guard dogs to those farmers. So cheetahs are really big scaredy cats. Um, all it takes is a big bark and that is enough to scare them away and then they aren't gonna harm those, those livestock. And it's kind of a way that, you know, humans and wildlife can coexist peacefully in Africa. It's one of those unique conservation solutions. So um, that's why we also love having dogs. It's because a big part of our Cat Ambassador program is educating people um, on conservation efforts. So definitely. it's always great to have dogs. Definitely. It makes for a great way to tell the story too. Mm -hmm. People can kind of see it in action. They can see Chris and Remus interacting and then you guys are able to educate people this is the role that they play in the wild right. in Africa. And it's right. so important. Like it you is, said. it is. And something else that um, happened was, um, so dogs are super cool. They have a ton of different conservation things that they can do. One of them is that I recently learned about was because um, Disney actually came to Cincinnati Zoo after hearing about our dogs and the cool job that they have here at the zoo. Um, and they came to film... Um, Chris and Remus all day for this new show on Disney Plus called It's a Dog's Life. And the show premise is super cool. So it's the voice actor for um, the guy who um, plays Goofy and Pluto and no stuff way. like that. So he's the one that like hosts the show. And so, but the whole premise of the show is to talk about working dogs. And so all these different dogs and what they do. So they came here. Definitely recommend you look at it if you haven't watched it yet. But one of the first episodes was about this working dog that um, orca researchers have that they take out on their boat and he is trained to smell orca poop for the researchers and he can smell what? it from a boat through yes. the water. Yes! Oh well, because it gosh. floats and there's only a certain amount of time that it floats oh that the gosh. researchers can get to it before it sinks. So it's a really hard thing for them to measure populations because if they don't see it in time, yeah. it's gone. So they have this dog that can sniff it from miles away and then will point to where to go and he, that's what he does and he helps these researchers to study orcas what I dogs know. are amazing I know. <laughs> incredible thing and the trainers that train oh, yeah. that oh yeah here. it's insane yeah. what yeah Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's so cute. He's Thinking just... of all the things that go into that. Collecting the orca poop, yeah. yep. training the dog yep. to smell it. Yep. Yep. Finding it on the ocean. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. That, that one was super, sounds... super impressive. Pretty yeah, and, and you know, there's conservation dogs all over the place. There's, um, in Africa, there's scat dogs that will, you know, be trained to, you know, be able to detect different kinds of predator fecals as well. So that's a way that they can help out. Um, there's dogs that are trained in like TSA and stuff like that to smell like ivory and illegal products, you know? So dogs are honestly the coolest, the coolest animals in my book. They Definitely. can do I think so a lot of people would agree with that. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know any numbers or like data on how setting these farmers up with dogs in Africa has changed their their lives, their animals' lives, do you know if there's a big difference? Are we seeing less cheetahs being killed because of it? Yeah, I don't know specifically any data off the top of my head, um, but I know um, that especially like with the Cheetah Conservation Fund is one of the biggest um, cheetah groups out there that is providing those guard dogs. They actually provide um, Anatolian Shepherds, which are big, big guard dogs out there, um, that they have had a lot of success and they're constantly having to get more dogs that they can give to more farmers because people keep asking for them. Okay. So, so, so it definitely, into it yes, too. Yeah. yes, yes. So it's definitely an effective thing. Um, I'm sure there are studies on it. I'm just not 
Sure, yes, yeah. well, first <laughs> in them. Uh, but yeah, if you head to like our website, um, which is also a great resource, um, it'll show you more about that program, and um, or you can go to the Cheetah Conservation Fund as well to see kind of the cool stuff that they're doing too. Yeah, that's awesome. I know you mentioned like there were dogs with cheetahs before we had Chris and Remus yeah. paired up. So how many dogs and cheetahs have we had paired? So know? Chris and Remus are our seventh cheetah okay. dog pair. So we also still have another dog. If you guys are at the zoo and you see a chocolate lab walking around, his name is Moose. Um, he was paired with our uh, cheetah Donnie, who's five years old now. Um, they don't really spend that much time together anymore, but Moose is just such a great dog and he's part of our encounters and he talk, we talk about that um, guard dog program during our encounters and everyone loves Moose. So he's still around. Moose is awesome. Moose is great. <laughs> it's funny. It's, we also say that like we, Remus, we got Remus, you know, for Chris, but really Remus and Moose are very, very Best close. Buds. Remus <laughs> loves Moose. <laughs> so, How close are Chris and Remus these days? Um, they're not as close as they were for sure. Um, they still do spend the night together, um, when Moose and Remus aren't spending the night together. Um, but usually our cheetahs will kind of grow distant from their dogs once they reach maturity, which is usually around two years old, which Chris is too now. Um, we see it more with the female cheetahs, which are naturally totally solitary unless they're with, you know, raising cubs. Um, occasionally male cheetahs you'll see in Africa stay with their brothers for a while um, and form what's called a coalition. They can kind of hunt bigger prey and it's, they don't mind, but usually cheetahs are preferring to be on their own. So um, we kind of see that once they reach that age, it's not like she doesn't like Remus. They just, she maybe gets a little more annoyed by him than she used to, or just kind of wants to, you know, do her own thing, her, ad her adult cheetah things. Yes. I'm just, face. I'm not a kid anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so they, they still hang out. Um, and occasionally we'll get in you know, fun little play romps in our yard, but it's just not as often as it used to be. So I know you just mentioned Chris did just have her second birthday. What'd you guys do to celebrate? So we have this amazing uh, volunteer enrichment committee here at the zoo and they can make anything out of paper mache. I don't know how they do it. And it's so cool, but they made us like a life-size zebra and they like painted it. And it was so funny because actually they dropped it off. Um, and, None of us knew that it was in our shed. <laughs> we went and opened the door, and we were all like, oh, my God. It looks so real. Calling the bell. Yeah, oh, like, we what? Oh, my goodness. And then it was funny, because, like, the people who weren't there the day that we got the zebra, the next day we were like, okay, we got to have them go see the zebra in the shed. <laughs> so it was enrichment for the keepers as much yes. as it was enrichment for Chris as well. Um, but, yeah, so we had her out in the yard, and we made her uh, blood ice cake, which is delicious. For her, not for us. Um, but yeah, so she got to have That's that. actually Mark's favorite. I got it for him his, for his birthday. Oh, yeah? yeah. 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 Yes. Yummy. That's my, yeah, yeah. my preference right there. <laughs> Throw some meatballs in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she definitely had some of those. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, it was fun. Just kind of some fun enrichment and something a little different for her to I do. didn't get a paper mache zebra, though. Oh, like, I think year. that could have been a good time. Next year, Mark. I got you. <laughs> so, you know... They're getting meat. They are eat meat eaters. Yes. What do you guys provide them on a daily basis as far as diet, especially, um, or also including Remus? What is this? Yeah, so um, they get something called Nebraska Blend, which is kind of specialized um, beef product for zoo carnivores. So we like to kind of say it's like cow in a blender. It's kind of got all that good stuff in there that we wouldn't eat as humans. I've never used that. Uh, yeah, so you guys, go ahead, take that one. I'll, I'll start <laughs> using that. 
that. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Cow in a blender. Yeah. That's a lot. That's, it's a lot, that's, but that's it, it's a very accurate description. It's accurate. I would say, I would say you know, yeah. it's the meat with the tendons yep. and the bones yep. ground yep. into a cow. Okay. Cow in a blender. Cow in a blender. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, our cheetahs eat about three pounds of that a day. Um, and then we also rotate throughout the week. We have a, a bone day where they get a nice big shank bone, which was actually yesterday. Chris loves that. And then we also have a prey day. Um, we, we try to get our cheetahs as like varied of a diet as possible, but they're very picky eaters. <laughs> um, so not all of them want to deal with the work of, you know, getting through a bunny or something like that. So um, only some of our cheetahs will eat their, their prey. Chris is one of them, though. Chris does love, love her bunnies, so... But so, I'm yeah. sure training them for these shows to participate and actually chase the lore is a bit of a process. Could you talk about that process? Just yeah, briefly? yeah, for does sure. Chris run in the shows? She does. Oh yeah, yeah. She's been doing it this whole season, which wow. is awesome. So um, it's cool because we don't necessarily have to train them like how to run. That's something they just innately have as an instinct. But um, we do have to train them how to. Um, you know, load in our release crates for the runs. And also at the end that we have a big fluffy dog toy that they chase after. Um, so that's kind of like their prey. So the, the most training that we have is getting them to trade that for us so that we can, you know, load them back home safely. If you come to our cheetah encounters, you'll see like we do two cheetah runs and it's pretty quick turnover. That's because of the training that we've done. So the cheetahs understand like once they chase it, they get to have a moment where they get to have their prey and then we give them a nice big pan of food um, that they will trade that for. So that's kind of most of the training that goes behind that. Um, but with our younger cats, so like when Chris was first learning, it's the same as like when you have puppies, you know, you don't want to take them on really big long hikes or, you know, really big um, play dates with a bunch of animals when they're younger because they're still growing. They're still developing. So it's the same for, for cheetahs as well. So we really didn't do a bunch of like big runs with her when she was younger. Um, we'd start out with like, you know, those little cat toys that you have for your house cats at home uh, for her to like chase in her when she was in the nursery and then um, a little bit bigger. And then we would do like uh, little mini runs first. So for honestly, like probably about the first year of her life, she didn't do the full cheetah run at all. It was just those little runs kind of building up her endurance and getting her ready. It's, it's also kind of cute to see those videos of her original runs because they definitely have like a baby run. Um, <laughs> it's learning how to be fast. It's not It's not immediate. They kind of figure that out over time and it's cool because could, even now, you can if you still come to see Chris run in our encounters, if you compare her runs to our older females, there's still a difference. You can tell she still has some learning to do to kind of figure out how to get that really, really top speed that our older females have. Um, so that's most of the training that goes with, with doing the, the runs, but she yeah, she's been doing it this whole this whole summer. Which Have you guys awesome. uh, or like caught her speed? Have yeah, you... so I'm actually in grad school right now, um, and I did a study last fall on cheetah speeds. Um, so it was really cool. I have um, one of those speed guns that you use for like um, baseball. They use to measure pitches. Um, so we've been using that to measure the cheetahs. Um, and I actually went and partnered with the Columbus Zoo because they have a running program as well. So I went up there for a month to record their cheetahs, which was super fun. So I have a lot of data. If you think about it, like in all of the United States, like most all of the cheetah runs are here in Ohio, which is pretty cool. So I had a lot of data points um, to see how, because I was trying to basically prove that 
female cheetahs are faster than male cheetahs, which we say that they are because of our experience, but there's not really any definitive studies that have been done on cheetah speed. Okay. Um, so I was like, well, I want to have some evidence to say this claim. And that would make sense given that the males will sometimes form a coalition and hunt yep. together, where if a female is a single mother, she needs to be fast enough yep. and faster and stronger yeah. than a male who doesn't necessarily have to provide. Right, and she's providing for her alone. cubs for two years. Wow. Like, that's a long time. I was going to ask when you were talking about Chris, she still kind of has a baby run. Yeah. Like, when would they go on their own? Yeah, so. about two years. Okay. Yeah, so she would be about at the point now where she would be starting to go and hunt on her own. But yeah, that's part of the, one of the theories why we think females are faster is because they are providing for their young as well. Um, but also, they're a lot smaller than males. They're about 20 pounds difference. So males are a little bit bigger. So, you know, it's a lot more to get up to those top speeds and whatnot where our females are very, very thin and very muscular and fast. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So I, I did um, statistically prove that the females were faster than the cool. males. Cool. Awesome. Super yeah. cool. Um, but How cool that you can do grad school. Your project yeah. is involved with work and yeah. work involved oh, with that. Oh, it was perfect. I was like, this is and great. And it was also, uh, you know, last year during COVID, so we weren't doing the big cheetah encounters, so I had more time to, like, really make sure I could get a ton of this data, which was nice as well. Um, but yeah, so our fastest female that we recorded was Catherine. She's one of our five-year-old females, and we recorded her at 61 miles per hour. Wow. Yeah, in our running yard, which is very, very fast. That's very fast. <laughs> running yeah, right alongside the interstate with yeah. your car, yeah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> It'd be really cool if we could set that up where there's a car going yeah. 60 and cheetah going 60 to see that. That'd be really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's um, one of the coolest things. This was actually before I was a trainer here. It was back in 2012. Um, National Geographic came um, and they kind of did this, not with a car, but they had a uh, camera track that they set up um, to basically go with the cheetahs as they were running on the lure um, to record them in the, it was like the first time they got high definition, slow motion footage of cheetahs running um, because of how well our cheetahs are trained here. And um, also National Geographic's awesome and the best yeah. at what they do. So it was kind of like these dream teams coming together um, to get this remarkable footage that I still see to this day on National Geographic because the footage is so, so cool. Um, so if you guys haven't seen that yet, definitely go check it out. It's called Cheetahs on the Edge is what it's called on YouTube. Okay. But you've probably seen it before because they use that footage all the time because it's it's really cool. And it also they learned a lot about cheetahs running through it because they were able to kind of see how the muscles were moving and that you can't see when they're going 60 miles per hour right, right. next to you, you know? I was going to say between, you know, zoos and doing these shows and training the, well, not training the running, but doing yeah. the running and like your experience going and recording the speeds, like that's one of the awesome things that zoos can do is provide this data. You know, we've talked a little bit about it in the past, mm -hmm. but having cheetahs in an encounter that people can come see can not only help people fall in love, but teach them so much. Mm -hmm. So would you say, you know, that's one of your favorite parts about the job? Do you have a favorite part of the job? I think that it's just awesome that we're doing these shows, but they have a, a purpose behind yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much we can bring from them. Oh, definitely. I think that I don't think I could um, be doing anything else. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about my job is that I, I get to, you know, train these animals and have these relationships with these animals. And it's amazing to raise a cheetah cub. Like that's one of the highlights of my career. But honestly, the best thing is seeing her now doing these cheetah encounters and having people that have followed her whole story throughout the past couple of years. And honestly, having people come to these encounters and just be in awe. It's, it's so cool because there's not a lot of people that are going to be able to go to Africa. There's not a lot of people that are going to be able to see these animals. And even if you 
are lucky enough to make it to Africa, what's the chance you're actually going to see a cheetah running? You right. know, whereas Even National Geographic needed to come. I to know. The yes, yes. <laughs> so like, we just footage. have this super unique, you know. Um, thing here. And that's something that our founder, Catherine Hilker, um, who started this program was very adamant about. She wanted to make it accessible to everyone. She wanted everybody to come see the cheetah run and have an opportunity to experience it. Um, you know, you're not going to, it does, you don't have to pay more when you come to the zoo. It's part of your admission. You come, you can see cheetahs run here, um, so that people can experience it because it is so cool and so remarkable. I think, yeah, we could definitely talk about shows on another yes. episode. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Encounters, um, you know, with animals. So yes. that is something we'll have to talk about more in the future. And I'd love to have Catherine uh, come that talk to That would be awesome. Yeah, Catherine's amazing. Yeah, and if you haven't seen our Cheetah Encounter yet this year, um, we did um, switch it up a little bit, and it is kind of about how our program was founded. Oh, and it's, cool. It's about, like, Catherine starting the program, and she does our intro, which is always cool. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, i got to yeah. get out there. I haven't been out since oh, COVID and gotten goodness. to see the show since it's been renewed. I got it. Yeah. I brought uh, my son one time and it was ra a rain day. So oh, you guys did like a modified version. So yeah, we'll yes, have to come yes, check it out definitely, soon. Definitely. It's for pretty sure. Fun. It's pre and Remus um, also is part of the encounter as well. He was specifically requested to uh, do a cheetah run in the, in the program. That's so. why he's sleeping right now. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, this right. is my off day, day guys. This guy works hard. Uh, yeah, guy. it's really, really cute. He also loves running on the lure. So That's he comes <laughs> out and starts our show with a nice, nice Remus run. <laughs> Super cute. Oh my gosh. The encounters really are such a win though. I love that you touched on that. Like, yeah. Not only is it great for the welfare and well-being of the animals in your care, mm -hmm. you've also got the education and the outreach and it inspires so many visitors. I remember being a kid coming to the cheetah encounters here at the zoo. Yeah. And it's one of the things that makes you want to be a zookeeper. Oh yeah, like definitely. At the top definitely. Of the show. I love it. And it's cool also because, you know, and I, I don't know, I've been here for four years now, so I don't know how many cheetah runs I've been a part of thousands at this thousands. point. <laughs> Honestly, it never gets old. Like it's still just as magical and cool and awe-inspiring every single time because it's it, and it's also always different every time you know they're running a little faster we can switch it up we can do different things but like oh, it's one of my favorite things because also we run them on a lure machine um and so the trainers are the ones that control the speed of it and we just control it with one little button and it's so much fun it's like like the ultimate video game but in real life you know like you got this and you got to keep it close enough that they're like running fast but not too close so they don't catch it early and it's it's a very delicate skill to figure out and to learn how to run cheetahs the very best that you possibly can. Um, I will say when I watch you guys I'm like nervous for yeah, you. I'm yeah. like, I think that'd be a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. It is. Especially like I remember the first time I did it for an encounter I was like oh gosh it's time to shine but you know it's it, it's great. And it's like you guys are training right alongside the Oh cheetahs. yeah. 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 It's super fun. It's one of my favorite things too. Is I, I love a lot about my job but running the cheetahs is Just a quick aside. Do you have a favorite cheetah to work with? I, I know uh, this episode's about Chris so I don't want to insult Chris or anything. That is hard to say. <laughs> it's, it's like saying which one's your favorite kid. But no. I mean, I love all the animals I work with. I do have a pretty close bond um, with Chris. Um, you know, she was my first cheetah that I got to hand raise and I got to be the um, primary trainer for her when we were training her to do programs and um, getting her to learn how to, you know, walk on a leash. We went to some different news appearances together, which was really cool and special yes. for me and also for her. So yeah, Chris is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I also have a big favorite with Donnie, who's our 
biggest cheetah. He's 135 pounds. Um, he is actually pretty smart. We were talking about how cheetahs aren't the brightest animals, but Donnie's one of our smarter cats. Um, he, is, I've always just loved him from the day I started, and we have a pretty close relationship as well. I actually got a tattoo of him on my back last year, my first tattoo. So she has a favorite. She does yeah. have a favorite. I don't think you're getting an animal that's not your favorite tattooed on your back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah, it's. it's Did fun. you? You said Donnie's 135? Yeah. How much is Chris? Did you say that already? She's about 80. 85. Okay, so that's a big Oh, yeah. Big Chris difference. is our smallest cheetah, and Donnie's our biggest cheetah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Do you expect Chris to gain more weight or get bigger, or is she full grown? No, too? I mean, maybe a little bit, but now that she's two years old, that's usually when we see them kind of plateau in their weight and stuff like that. So, yeah, it honestly worked out pretty well because Remus is our smallest cheetah dog we've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, we were a little worried that maybe he would be too small for her as she was growing up, but then she just kind of stopped getting bigger and it worked out that they're kind of still really um well sized together as well um so yeah he's been he's been around here ever since so awesome. <laughs> and for those we always get people to ask what happens when they're done with their cheetahs they don't stay with them their whole life typically because like i was saying cheetahs are solitary by nature so um all of our previous cheetah dogs have been adopted out by staff, so they go and live a good retired life, which is just like your dogs at home. Is so, there a wait list for Remus? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of people that want to adopt Remus and Moose uh, when the time comes, but for now, they're still living their best lives here at the zoo. So. That's going to be a battle. Everyone at yeah, Cincinnati Zoo, yeah. the staff is going to turn on staff to see who can take home <laughs> Moose or Remus. Maybe we'll have to have like, an application raffle. process, like you know, references. Okay, let's do. That's the biggest yard. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Mark, do you have a quiz or trivia Always, for us today? Of course, carrying oh, on the tradition, I've definitely got a set of trivia questions okay. for you guys. So, being that we're talking to Andy from the Cat Ambassador Program, all these questions are going to be cat related. Okay. Some dealing with cats in the wild, some dealing with house cats. So we'll start it off with some some nice fun facts. I think these are very interesting cat facts. Cat, question number one, in your show you guys also have servals, correct? Mm -hmm. So I, I imagine you're going to know the answer to this. <laughs> How high can a serval jump? Do you want me to say it? I can guess first. Yeah, okay. yeah. So guess. <laughs> okay, I'm guessing, I think I might have learned this, or I should have learned it in your show, yeah. probably. Nine feet in the air. Not we say about five times the length of their bodies, so okay. it kind of depends on the cat, but it is anywhere from like 9 to 12 feet. Wow. She's exactly right. Everything yep. I looked up said 9 to 12 feet. Yep, yeah. yep. That's so hot. They're pretty cool. Yeah, so that's another cat we have in our program that it's really cool because we actually demonstrate that jumping ability in the encounter. So we have Jombo and Cleo, our two servals, who... We'll show that off for you. It's pretty fun. Not only do you get to see a cheetah run at 60 miles an hour, you also get to see a serval. Yeah, jumping. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. They're, they're a little bit older. They're kind of 14 now, so I don't know if they're jumping quite all the way, but it's still pretty impressive. I'm six feet tall, so it's it's taller than me. Yeah. So. It's insane to think. I mean, these cats are, what, two feet tall on yeah. their shoulders, yeah. and they're yeah. dunking a basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's oh, yeah. It is awesome. It is super cool. All right. I'm impressed so far. Question number two. Which wildcat species is the most successful hunter in terms of most, this percentage of its hunts turn out to be success and it catches prey? 
Are we? You said it has to be wild cats. Yes, not counting house cats. Okay, because yeah, domestic, domestic cats are definitely cats are the ones that yeah. hunt the most. I think I know what it is. I'm just. I think it's. I'll let you try first. Do you know? Oh no! If you're guessing two, we can guess. But yeah, I have two in mind. They're both very small. Yeah, it's it's like it's a tiny. I think it's called like an African wildcat or something. Like it's or it's not. It's not a sand cat. I don't think it's or black-footed cat. cat Black-footed cat. I think that's it. I think that's it. Black-footed cat. Let's go. I'm like I know it's a tiny little one, and it's in Africa. (laughs) You guys got it. The black-footed cat found. Most commonly in South Africa, yep. they're successful on 60% of their hunts. Wow, do you know what they're hunting? Which is amazing. So most of their hunts are rodents or small birds. So yep. successful on 60% of their hunts. For comparison, a lot of people talk about lions as the top predator in Africa. They're only successful 25 to 30% of their time. So black-footed cats, twice as successful as lions. Those little yes. cats. They'll get it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> shout out to uh, Nadine and Zola. If you're ever at the Cincinnati Zoo, you can see black-footed cats over in the Night Hunters building. Nice. Some of the cutest animals we have in the Adorable, entire zoo. Adorable, but yeah. ferocious. Absolutely. They're killers. They're killers. Make no mistake. All right. This is the last question dealing with wild cats. Okay. So the Siberian or Amur tiger is known as the largest cat species in the world. How much can they eat in one sitting? Ooh. In pounds. Hmm. For comparison, so you got something to work with. They can weigh up to 600 pounds, Whew. which is yeah. unbelievable. It's 200 pounds more than John the lion. Here. Yes. John's <laughs> a big cat. John's a big yeah. boy. 200 pounds more than John. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like maybe a prey that they would eat. Maybe like 30 or 40 pounds seems like a lot, but also in comparison to their size, maybe not. But then like a painted dog can hold about 22 pounds of food in their stomach at once. So, Ooh, so yeah, maybe even think, more. No? Uh, no, yeah, I think oh, okay. 30 or 40. Yeah. 35. In one sitting. In one like, sitting. They can go back to it later and eat more, I'm <laughs> sure, but in one sitting, I'll go with that. So they're known to eat 55 Whoa! to 60 pounds even of food more. in one sitting, which That's is insane. unbelievable. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, that's it would take you two weeks to eat that much food. Right? Like, that's amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Dang, learned something new for sure. There you All go. right, so we're getting off the tracks with these next few questions. These are dealing with house cats. Okay. So question number one: How old is the oldest recorded house cat? Oh, I think I read about this. I think it was like thirty. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So a typical lifespan is about. 15 to right. 18, somewhere Yeah, in but that this one range. was like ridiculously old. I say, I would have guessed like 23. I say, you got to guess, Jenna? 23. 23, Andy? I'll go 30. 30. The oldest recorded house cat was 38 years old. <laughs> 38 years old. I knew, yeah, I knew it was a lot. Born August of 1967 and passed away in Prove August of 2005. Yeah, let's, let's see this cat. Its That's name was insane. Cream Puff. <laughs> oh my god. No wonder <laughs> With a name like Cream perfect. Puff. That was, yeah. that was probably an angel. Dang, <laughs> dang. Well, another fun fact for you. Uh, we currently have the oldest cheetah in the United States. Ooh, you want to no guess way. how old he is? I will guess. I think I know the ballpark, but not okay. the exact number. I'm so average guess. life expectancy is, in Africa, it's typically like 8 to 10. In zoos, they can live a little bit longer than that. So our oldest male, his name is Chance. I think he's 14. I was going to say 16. 
He is 17. No 17. way. Yes. No way. <laughs> way yes. So, yeah, we think he's definitely the oldest in the States, maybe even in the world. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I know. Right? Pretty cool. Chance. And he's retired, right? He's oh, yeah. He's not doing the cheating anymore. He retired powder. those when he was, like, eight years old. He was like, I'm done. <laughs> so if you want to see him, you can go. We have our um, cheetah habitat. It's across from our cafe when you first go into the Africa area of the zoo. Stop Say by hi to him. the oldest cheetah yes. oldest, in the country. Oldest cheetah in the country. <laughs> All right, this is the final question of the quiz. How much money did the richest cat in history have? <laughs> what? Wait, the what richest makes this cat, cat rich? In history. So this man in England passed away in 1988 and left, as the, as the sole <laughs> proprietor of his whole fortune, left his cat named Blackie. I also How love that money? you somehow found this information. <laughs> I, this is all, even though Dr. Jesse just frowned upon us for looking up Wikipedia facts, uh, these are all <laughs> courtesy of Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> How much money did Are, are we doing this in here? pounds or dollars? In dollars. I converted it, I converted it for you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Because I didn't know. <laughs> Does this money go towards his care? Does he pay yeah, like how for does someone this? to... So, at the time that Blackie... This is in Important 1988, question. so Blackie has passed away since. Okay. At the time, this all went to the estate and Blackie's care. Um, when Blackie passed away, the money was all divided between three different... Um, cat charities okay. throughout England. Oh, nice. Yes. I think it would have been funnier if they got divided to people after the cat. After the <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you can have it. Oh, man. I'm going to say $110,000. I'm going to say, like, $3 million. You guys are both low. You're <gasps> what? Both low. Blackie was worth, in 1988, Blackie was worth $12.5 million. Oh, my goodness. In terms of today's money, that's about $26 million. <laughs> this is a rich cat. This <laughs> well, it goes to show you how much some people can really like cats. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. As a cat person myself, I might leave. It wouldn't be a fortune, but I might leave my one thousand dollars in the bank. Yeah, right. Like it's not going to be a lot on that zookeeper's salary there. (laughs) This will feed you. Oh my gosh, that was great. So that's all for my trivia, Jenna. Do we have anything else for Andy? Yes, Andy. We would like to know what can I do. Ooh, I've been thinking about this one. So. Something that we love talking about in our cheetah encounter um, is responsible pet ownership. So we have our domestic dogs here, but if you come, you might also see we have some domestic cats in our program as well. Um, You'll see us, you know, training and working with a lot of these big cats, but we want to make sure we're getting across the message that the only cat that is suitable as a pet is the domestic house cat. So they are uniquely adapted to living in our homes and they can make perfect companions (laughs) Um, and also something a lot of people don't know is you can train your house cats at home just like you train dogs and just like we train all of our animals here at the zoo as well so um, that's something we do with our house cats they um, are trained to walk on a leash as well which is something people don't realize they can necessarily do with their house cats Um, we were talking about the deadliest cat earlier But honestly, the deadliest cat is the domestic house cat. They um, 
feral cats are responsible for killing billions, with a B, billions of birds, lizards, you know, native wildlife here in the States and all over the world. Um, so if we can be responsible pet owners by making sure that we're keeping our cats, our house cats indoors, or if you do want to take them out, you can train them to walk on a leash. It's pretty fun. They love, our, our house cats here at the zoo love going on walks. Sometimes we'll even take them up to like the gift shop to walk around and stuff like that. People love seeing our house cats. It's so cute when you're in the yeah. zoo and you get yeah. to see a house cat Yeah, you'll see the around. dogs, the house cats, the pit. You'll see a lot of different fun things here at the zoo. But people actually will get really excited when they see the house cats, you know? Sure. It's fun because we have all these, you know, really cool animals here, but the house cats really get people excited, which is great. I'm glad that everyone loves, loves cats and... Um, yeah, you can train them just like you can train your dog. Um, you just got to find what is um, a reward for them. So what's something that they really like? So something maybe that's like wet cat food is a really good reward for our our house cats as well. Maybe some other special yummy treats. Or some of our um, animals will also get rewarded just by like, you know, scratches. That's, that's sure. also something that's very positive as well. So you just got to kind of figure out what it is and work in, you know, small incremental steps to get your cats, you know, used to walking on a leash, wearing a harness, or there's also these really adorable cat backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> Do the cats really enjoy those? Uh, we, yeah, we have cat backpacks for wow. all our house cats. Um, yeah, and they have like that big bubble, and it's funny because one of them, his name's Batman, um, and we like to call it his spaceship because he sticks his head <laughs> out and he just looks like he's in a spaceship. Oh my gosh. But it's so great because then you can take them places, they walk around, and we'll take them like that into the gift shop, and then we'll let them walk around the gift shop. At the Very same, enriching. So. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah. It's it's always fun. You never know what a day a day as a cat trainer is going to look like. A lot of it is training your uh, domestic dogs and cats that we have here. So so yeah. If you guys are looking to add a cat to your home, highly recommend you look at your local shelter. Um, there's so many cats that need homes, and they just can make the best pets. So that is my one thing that you can do. It also helps to save wildlife by adopting animals. Definitely. And, um, you know being responsible about keeping them indoors and helping to save local wildlife. So that's a good one because of course we see you guys working near a cheetah mm -hmm. or a serval or, you know, an ocelot. And while that might look like it might be something you'd like to have at home, uh, a really fun animal, there are so many reasons why you shouldn't have one as a pet. Yes. And it's good to remind people that we are professionals working with these animals for a very specific reason with very specific training and lots of time and effort and the right housing and food and nutrition and things that wouldn't be necessarily easy. So aside from all the safety and the the care that the animal needs, mm -hmm. they scent mark, you know, oh, they're they gonna, would not they're make good pets. everywhere. They would not no, make good pets for so many no, reasons. No. They're yes. dangerous. So yes. definitely stick to those cats and dogs at home. So yes. that's a good one. Yes. A very easy one to it ask is. of people. I know. I think yeah. it's very easy. <laughs> you know, all of us love animals here. So it's it's really fun to talk about that. And also, you know, that is one of the things that is a problem that's affecting a lot of cat species, including the cheetah, is the illegal exotic pet trade. So if we can help, I know you guys talked about that a little bit with Eddie, um, with some of the birds, that is a big problem with birds and parrots and things like that. It is for cats too. So if we can make sure we're discouraging that kind of behavior and encouraging adopting animals that need homes like shelter pets like Remus here who yes. is adopted and living that great he's just snoozing away on yes. the floor right now living the life I might join him after this yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much for chatting yeah, with us um, again so we can talk about a million things yes. in other episodes so hopefully we'll hear from you yeah again. I'll be back anytime I can talk all day about cats yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us yeah just as a reminder to folks listening at home 
you can see these cheetah encounters Thursday through Sunday, yep. 10, 30, and noon. Yep, right. yep. Good job, to Mark. Come go. say hi to us. There's <laughs> no extra charge. No, no extra it's charge. not. Just, just show up and get... I recommend getting there early because it does get a little busy sometimes, but... If, if not, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there all the way through October. I'm glad so. you mentioned awesome. that. Yes. 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 Awesome. Well, I'm Jenna. <laughs> awesome. And I'm Mark. And thanks for listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales.